Hey, hey, everybody, what's up? It's Josh McCabe here, Overflow Beyond the Music, and I cannot believe that this is season three already. Seriously, season three. It has been a complete blast doing this podcast, and uh, I'm just so grateful that we've had such amazing guests and such amazing listeners. So thank you to everybody who's been listening to this podcast on the regular. I want to tell you, though, if you listen to this podcast even once, uh, I want to encourage you to turn off my voice right now and go subscribe to this podcast. Then you'll find out when the newest episodes are coming out, and it also just really, really helps us to move this vision forward. Because really, the heart of this podcast, if you're just tuning in, you know, it's not about just talking about you know a new single or a new radio single or what it's like to tour so-and-so. This is all about getting beyond the surface, beyond the music, finding out what people's journeys are like, because I, I believe truly, if you understand someone's journey, you'll understand better the songs that they write. And uh, today's guest is is no exception to that at all. I had the privilege to have Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave on the podcast for this episode. And him and I talked back in August, and you're going to laugh at the beginning of this podcast, because uh, back in August, I had a cold. I was sick, wasn't feeling well. And uh, I got up that morning and kind of set everything up for the podcast and thought, you know, I think I got like an hour and a half before um, he's going to call me. So maybe I'll just go back to sleep and have a little nap. And, um, well, Mike calls me and I'm like, uh, hello. And he's like, Oh, Hey, is this Josh? I'm like, Oh shoot. (laughs) It was so funny, but he's such a good guy. And, uh, you're going to love our conversation. Uh, we touch on everything, uh, from the heart of ministry to insecurity. And, uh, his journey is just absolutely incredible. Uh, a couple of things real quick before we dive into the episode, though. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at OverflowBTM, on Facebook, OverflowBTM, Twitter as well. And again, just make sure you're subscribing to this podcast. I'd really appreciate that. And um, we're looking forward to this season. we got tons of great guests coming up on this season, including David Leonard, who is part of All Sons and Daughters. Um, looks like we're going to have Leland coming on as well, which I'm really excited to get him on. I'm going to be interviewing uh, the pastor of my church next week. Henry Seeley, who was part of Planet Shakers for years and now is a pastor at The Belonging. Um, oh, so many guests we got coming up. And uh, one of my favorites, too, which I cannot wait to release this episode, was with Paul and Hannah McClure of Bethel Music. And uh, we chatted about our favorite emo music, which was so fun. But that's for another time. Um, my conversation here with Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave. They have a new album out. They've been on tour, and he just released a book in September. We'll talk about the book a little bit in the episode. Um, but, of course, by the time you're listening to it, the book is out now. Uh, but here's my conversation. Without any further preamble, without any further rambling, here's my conversation with Mike Weaver of Big Daddy Weave here on Overflow Beyond the Music, the podcast. So I'll shake off these heavy chains And wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed You set me free Alright, well, it is my honor And um, definitely double my honor today for his patience I'm on the line with Mike Weaver from Big Daddy Weave How are you doing, Mike? Man, I'm doing great, bro, and I'm praying you better too, man. Thank you, I appreciate that, man. I, uh, you called me today, and I'm just like, oh, hello. <laughs> 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 not, not the way to start, eh? 
Dude, it was so, it's so all good though. You know what I mean? It's like, cause I, dude, in any other day, that would have been me, bro. And so I was, I was glad that I'm just not the only one it happens to. And so misery loves company, right? And so that's, we're in, we're in this together, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I can only imagine them. I mean, I've had it to me and I, I don't do like, I don't near have your schedule, but have you, have you had that before where, you know, a station's calling you and it's like, Hey, it's so-and-so at such-and-such FM, and you're just like, hello? Dude, the worst for me is just like literally the entire block full of interviews or something going by, and then I never even realize, you know? So like hours later, yeah, I'll get a text, and like our, our guys will be like, hey, how did it go? And I'm like, how did what go? <laughs> you know? and, then, and then you're like, oh, no, man. So then you have like a lot of stuff to, a lot of apologies to send out, that kind of thing, for sure. Well, I mean, it happens to the best of us, and that's kind of what happens when you're on just a busy schedule. So, so I mean, we were, when I was talking to your PR, we're going to try and meet up in person, but I think you guys are on the road right now. So where where are you at in the universe today? <laughs> We actually are just getting back, actually. And so it was like, and so there's just a, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on right now. It's like there, it's a season of where we are still traveling, but it's like we're releasing a record. We're like just finished a book. And there's also this like kind of little reality series thing that's coming out as well. And it's like, there's just a, it's just a lot of things right now. And at the same time, trying to be a dad and a husband and all that business. So it was cool to see a Nashville number uh, that I was calling this morning there. So it's good. We're not, not too far away, just in little Mount Juliet, Tennessee now. So. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be deceiving you a little bit if I said that I'm a true Nashville guy. I've only been here for about seven months and I moved from Canada. So, uh, if, if you hear a couple A's, uh, then that, that might be, <laughs> that might give you some explanation. That's awesome, dude. Well, welcome to Tennessee. Yeah. I'm a Canadian cloaked with a Nashville, Nashville phone number. So a little bit, of, a little bit of that, but um, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking about about you guys, and, and one of the things I I don't I like to do with this podcast is I don't love to dive too too deep into sort of you know the last year, what's going on, or, or where you're at now, because then it gives me talking points that that you know if I just kind of see where the conversation goes, we end up talking about some real cool stuff. But I think a great place to start is, is tell me a little bit about where your journey as a singer started, what, what city, uh, what state, and, and tell me a little bit about what brings you here today coming off the road in Nashville, Tennessee. Totally, man. Well, I, I grew up on the Gulf coast down around Pensacola, Florida. Um, Man, I always loved music, but I really did not want to sing. Um, I I wanted to be the guitar player, you know? Yeah. And so it's like I would, you know, in fact, I wanted to be like a hard rock, you know, uh, guitar player. I wanted to be like the plus size Christian version of Eddie Van Halen, dude, you know? Amazing. And it's like, Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, man, that was my pursuit for a long time. And then these songs kind of started showing up. And I would write the songs, but I'd always want to find somebody else to sing them. At one point, we couldn't find anybody to sing them. And I had a real encounter with Jesus around worship. Mm. And that was my way into singing, really, 
was leading worship, you know, because the part about that, I, that I really didn't love about singing was I hated as a great big guy being up in front of everybody. I liked being able to kind of hide a little bit. And so in worship, I could sort of encourage other people, oh, just, you know, close your eyes and let's sing this to God. Yeah, and it's not about that me. Would sort, yeah. yeah, that would totally kind of accommodate my insecurity, you know, and so that's how I got into singing. And now there's a lot of times I'll just, I'll just sing. And so it's kind of a whole, a whole circle of events there or whatever. Do you find that uh, as a worship leader, um, you know, there there is sometimes this this feeling of, and, and maybe I, I wonder if some people wear it almost as a false sense of humility, where you know, worship leaders sometimes feel this pressure to make it so not about them that uh, that that it almost goes so far the other way, where you're going, well, no, it's okay to have a light on you so the audience can see your face. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. And for me, my whole um, insecurity was completely not humility. You know, it's like it it would express itself in this self-deprecating way. But it's like, dude, it really was still all about me and my insecurity, you know? And so it humility is just really agreeing with Jesus, you know? It's like us us bowing That's down good, in yeah. front of what, whatever he says, who what whoever he is, you know? And so it's like if he if he puts us up there with something to say, we just need to share about real life. And the greatest way that we connect with people often is just telling our story, man. And so if you're leading worship and you got something in your life that needs to be shared. It kind it kind of is about you for a minute because it's about Jesus in your story. You know what I mean? But yeah. God uses you, so it's like yeah, totally. And and so how far after uh, this journey uh, of being you know Pensacola and and leading worship and I mean we'll talk more about some of some of the the insecurity side that you're talking about. But uh, how far after that did did you start kind of putting the band together and, and meeting the guys and 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 how did that whole connection start? taking place. Totally, man. Well, I, well, I was leading in Pensacola, but my pastor really wanted me to be a, a student, at least a part-time student. And so I went to school at a little Baptist school in Mobile, Alabama, and my brother plays bass. And so he would come and visit. And I met some other guys on campus who, who played. And so we just kind of put together these jams. And as we were doing that, somebody wandered by for the very first one and said, man, you guys need to put together a set um, to open up for this group across campus. We're like, dude, we only been together like 15 minutes. We already got our first gig, man. This is awesome. And so, Amazing. so, so we played that night under the name Big Daddy Weave and the institution. And the thing literally just, we've been doing it ever since. So this year is 21 years for Big Daddy Weave. It's insane. So I was going to say, I, you know, I always, I always, it's funny full circle now that there's artists that I heard of when I was like 16. And yeah, browsing yeah. online trying to find new music because, you know, now nowadays you put on a Spotify playlist, but then you used to have to like go hunting. It was like, it was like this joyous thing, especially because I was into hard rock stuff. You know, yeah. they had that. Do you remember Pure Volume? Dude, I remember the name of that. I don't remember any of the tunes though. No, like Pure Volume was like the web, this website that you would go to, it was kind of like, um, MySpace, I guess, but all just music. I remember Dude, like, I, I only, I know it only in name. Yeah. Only in so name. it was like you, it was like finding buried treasure when you found this awesome new heavy 
band from somewhere that you'd never heard of. And it was like a beautiful time to be alive in music because the internet was just starting to bring everything to your fingertips. And and I remember um I remember, you know, hearing about you guys and, and hearing some of your early stuff. So it's just it's kind of funny how it just all comes full circle that here I am getting to interview you and you guys have been in a uh, had a career for 21 years which is incredible man we feel really blessed to still get to do this if some we feel like at some point someone's gonna tell us we have to get like a real job or whatever you know and so yeah yeah but it it just kind of never happened and now we were college students all the way and we've you know seen each other become husbands and dads and all of that business and shared a lot of life man been through a lot of junk together and it's still it's still going man can you think of a time um in this this journey because 21 years is is nothing nothing small but can you think about a time in this journey where you you kind of go why are we still doing this <laughs> what like and and then man. you get that shot of of you know rejuvenation man all the time man you know any 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 long stretch without our families you start doing that you know um now our families they travel with us some and so that's pretty that's a pretty cool part of what of what we do. But man, it's usually when we're missing, when we're missing home, man. Um, or you play somewhere and it's like, it, it just seems ridiculous or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are the times. But as far as like, man, it's, it's never about, you know, uh, needing to play some gigantic venue. My favorite rooms to play still to this day are where you can see the guy's face on the back wall, you know? Yeah. And when you're, when you're singing or talking, you like feel like you're talking just to them. I love that sense of connection, and um, I love that music brings that sense of connection. It's a cool way to connect with people. It's funny. I, when you talk about, you know, you kind of have that weird gig or that weird event, my dad tells me the story of when he was touring, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't because nobody showed up. It was because nobody advertised it or someone advertised the wrong night, and they show up to play this rock show in the 80s, and um, they played for three nuns and a priest. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Have you had any any experiences where, you know, you kind of you get out there traveling, you're going, does anybody know this is happening tonight? Are we even in the right city? <laughs> Dude, that's exactly right, man. You know, I and it's crazy. The Lord, the Lord spoke something to us a while ago that really kind of helped deal with those nights. Um, where he just said, you know, if you have a heart for the one and he's talking about a heart for the one, which is him. And he's talking about the one that he'd leave the 99 for. Yeah. You'll never be dissatisfied with ministry because that one is always out there. Man, as I have shifted to that place, I mean, there are lots of nights I feel disappointed because you're like, oh my gosh, how are you going to pay the bills unless more people than this show up, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. But it's like, but it's purely from a logistical standpoint, from a ministry standpoint, man, that one is always out there. And it's crazy because you can play like these huge places with thousands and thousands of people and still have that same heart. Man, one of my favorite things was in the last couple of years being in New Hampshire and playing this thing called Soul Fest. Yep. There's probably like 8,000 people there. And I remember my brother shared part of his story about dealing with like suicidal thoughts. And wow. we, we began to kind of minister in that way. And I saw this one kid with blue hair, um, just get it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, I mean, it just landed on him. It had, it had been him. These people gathered around him and I just saw him sobbing, dude. And I'm from the middle of his back, just kind of heaving man, sobbing. And I was just like, Man, that was in, that was entirely the reason to come to New Hampshire. I'm telling you, you know, and it was so it's such a great feeling just to know. Look, man, 
God just really just moved in that kid's life, man. And I'm, I'm sort of addicted to that part of it. Man, we played someplace the other day and it looked like, I was like, did you guys know this was going to be a concert? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Was, you, know, you know, they're just sitting there like they look kind of offended. They look disgruntled. Like, but man, the Lord changed their faces by the end of the night. And mm-hmm. I just, man, I'm addicted to seeing him do things like that, man. I just, I love it, man. Well, you know, and it, I'm in the same kind of boat where, you know, I kind of want to relate with you here where I've done stuff where it doesn't make sense financially to do it. And, and you go and you minister and either you get shocked with what God does. Um, and you know, or, and then I've seen it a million times where I've gone places, you know, you you kind of are starting to think about all the logistics, man, like, how am I going to, how are we going to pay these bills? Because like that, that this is not going to cover it. And then, you know, something happens where some guy after, you know, a, a night of ministry or whatever walks up to you with a check saying, I just want to bless your ministry. And you just totally. go, and you just realize that there's this like deposit that happens when you just make it about, about carrying out Christ's mission that yes. reaps benefits that you, you don't even understand. <laughs> man, that is so good, dude. That's really right, man. That's, that's exactly right, dude. Cause I mean, the, the truth is also another thing for me is like hearing two years later, what God did that night that I never even knew, you know, it was like, there was this one, I oh mean, we, we showed up someplace. We had been there a couple years before this grandma comes like running up and just about mugs us, man. She's so excited. And she just goes, man, the last time you guys were here, she said, man, the Lord gave a word about healing. My grandson had an inoperable brain tumor and he had come down for prayer she said they couldn't operate on it. They were scared about his his eyes, about losing his eyesight. Wow. She was two two weeks after that night. He starts having trouble with his eyes, and we're we're a scary. We're just scared for the worst, you know. She goes, we go to the doctor, find out the brain tumor is gone, dude. And that actually he just needs glasses, man. And she goes, Amen. his mom, she said his mom just starts shouting in the doctor's office. I know it happened that night. I know it happened that night. And man, it was just this awesome thing because we didn't, we didn't know what happened that night, you know? And it's like, and you don't always get to hear. And so we just, we're learning. I say we're learning because I don't think we have this down. We're learning how to trust the Lord with that, you know? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's so beautiful because I, I think, there's this this lure of and and you've done it you've been at these christian festivals and or uh, christian festivals are interesting because i think you get such a cross section of people in different journeys of this uh music and ma- ministry and faith intersection all in one place in the catering room yes you get this in you get this really different intersection of people and i see all the time these young guys um and i'm not saying this to knock young guys but because uh, I think you have some wisdom to offer here that they want so badly to to like rise to the top and and be taking the photos at the Dove Awards or in front of the in front of the big radio station banners and and they want they want all of that and I'm going man it's it's such an empty pursuit if you're not pursuing the heart of Jesus to bring heaven to earth through music. Yes, dude. Yes, that's exactly right, man. But that was me, though. I mean, like, it, that was me at 20 years old. So I, I kind of go, I remember those feelings, too, you know? 
dude, I hear you. It's like for me, because of insecurity, that was never, that that was, that was never me. You know, it's like, I was, I was constantly hiding and like really just always feeling awkward about being up there the entire time. And so it's like, if there was a way for me to get out of the photo op, man, I would be heading there because fat dudes do not want pictures taken to them. Did you, you know, and and so, feel that way, even as people were, were handing you accolades. So like, as you're winning awards and people are applauding and, and say, yay, you know, go Mike Weaver. Like, did you still feel that way? Dude, I, I, I do. And I, I did. And I do actually. And it's like, it's crazy because I mean, I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing in that, but it's like the night after our song redeemed won this award, it was like a song of the year kind of award. And we, man, the next week, I mean, that song had been written out of place of me, like, you know, hearing from Jesus how he thinks about me yeah. and that my self-hatred is not the way he feels about me. And I need to disagree with my self-hatred, you know, the next week after that award, man, I hated myself worse than I can remember, man. Hmm. And it was like, man, I just thought we must've sounded so stupid and like all of these things. And I'm telling you, it really has been a battle in my life, but this is what I love because God doesn't, this is, man, I heard this line and this just rocked me. He said, you know, um, Religion only celebrates perfection, but God celebrates progress. So if you're whatever side, whatever side of the fence you're on in that, you know, if you're the guy wanting to take the pictures, Hey man, the Lord is, is patient with us and he's growing us into something else. Right. Or if you're the guy that's me, who's like, I just want to hide under a rock and not come out. And I feel guilty that we still get to do this because there's so many other people who want to do this. And sometimes I feel scared to death to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, I, you know, God's growing both of us you know, hopefully more into what looks like, um, man, more like Jesus, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think sometimes when you look at it and you kind of get out of the right now, you realize how patient our God is with us. Yes. Yes, man. Yes. And, and that actually like what he wants to accomplish is actually bigger than us, that he allows us to be frail. And, you know, I mean, he, he allows David to be David and still reign as king. Uh, and mm. and I think that I think that there's something in that for people to realize that no matter how insecure you feel, no matter what season you're walking through, no matter how much sin or junk you have going on in your life, the Lord still desperately wants you to be part of His redemption plan. Amen, dude. And that is the entirety of the gospel, dude. You know, um, but it also is, but it, but it is that process. You know what I mean? It's not the process of going the other way. It's the process of coming this way. And sometimes we don't know, <laughs> honestly, sometimes we don't know which way that is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause there are times when I feel like, man, I've been here for the 700th time this year or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, but then there's this breakthrough that is, that makes you realize, Man, I'm I'm walking in a di- I'm I'm seeing this thing in a different way than I used to though. God really is doing a thing because of his patience. Man, I don't have any songs about my faithfulness to God. Do you know what I mean? Right, <laughs> but right. I got I got so many songs about God's faithfulness to me, man, and that's that's it. That's that's exactly what Jesus brought in the cross, you know? Yeah, and you know what? I think I think um I think the Lord doesn't look for our perfection, but I think he just he does look for us to be you know, though our faithfulness is frail and imperfect, it does say something uh, about someone that 21 years later, they're still as passionate about seeing people encounter Jesus as they were when they first started. And, you know, we've we've talked a little bit on this podcast about, you know, 
artists and authors who are sort of turning a different way now. And, and, you know, I don't want to make, I don't want to go down that road in this conversation necessarily, but for you as an artist who is still serving the Lord today, uh, probably actually even having deeper revelation than you did when you started, what, mm. what has been, I don't want to say your secret, but what is the heartbeat of your life that, that still has you here just as passionate about seeing the one encounter Jesus as, as you were when you started? You know, I, th- I think it's because of realizing my need for Jesus, you know? Yeah. And um, being so uh, overwhelmed that he puts up with me and is and is still in this with me. And man, getting to share that with somebody else and getting to share from a place of vulnerability and sharing with so- like something that you've dealt with that, man, honestly, has been a place of regret in your life. To see God use that in someone else's life is a really redemptive thing, man. And all of a sudden it takes this bad thing yeah. and God tur- turns the table on what was trying to destroy you and he uses it to destroy the enemy in someone else's life. That is, I just, I just love that. So I think the longevity has to do with just a sense of how badly we need Jesus and we're having to cling to him. Also, when you come to those moments where we were talking about earlier and you're like, dude, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Yeah, It's almost like the disciples, you know, when Jesus said, well, are you guys leaving too now? And they were like, dude, where else would we go? We don't have anywhere else to yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's after all this time, this sort of what we feel like in this is that, you know, we're, we're in for the, the journey as long as the Lord will have us. Cause this is, this is all we've known now. And this is, this pursuit is, is all we've had now, you know? So what, what comes next? Cause I, uh, I'm reading here that there's uh, a book that's, that, um, I believe just, uh, is, is coming out real soon, isn't it? Yes. September the 3rd. Okay. Um, so tell me and... a little bit about, about the, yeah, I'll let you finish. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Um, uh, I'm not, I'm not really an author, you know, um, <laughs> I, I'm way too ADD for that, yeah. you know? And, um, but after the stuff that we've been through dealing with insecurity, this testimony of that over the years, man, things that my family has been through, man, over the last three years, man, my brother who plays bass for Big Daddy Weave, man, because of health issues, man, became a double amputee, lost both of his feet, man. Wow. Um, man, he's still on the road playing though. Um, man, but he was dealing with like just dark thoughts, man, of ending his life. My dad, who is our hero, passed away the very next year, man. He went to be with the Lord on Christmas morning, man. Oh, wow. After losing, after losing a long fought battle with, uh, pulmonary fibrosis to his last breath, man, I just heard him proclaiming just his trust in the Lord, man, asking Jesus for help. Man, right after that, my mom gets a cancer diagnosis just within months of my dad passing. And it's just like this whole last season has just been like one thing after another. Um, this is coming out of a season of seeing Jesus move in a way that was unprecedented in our lives. Like just seeing God do the miraculous, seeing, seeing cancer run away at the other end of my brother's hand. I mean, I'm, yeah. I know it's not him. I mean, it's the power of God, but man, even so seeing such a, a breakthrough for so many people and then us going through a season where we're really asking Jesus for some things that we didn't necessarily see the outcome go the way we were hoping, yeah. but finding Jesus in the middle of all of it, man, all of this became fodder for what this book is. And I told our manager, Jim, Jim Shear has been our manager for 17 years. Man, I've literally, I have so much respect for him. Out of 17 years, I have never once heard him raise his voice towards another person in conversation. Like he wow. is, he is really a man of character. 
um, I told him, I said, look, after all the stuff that we've been through, I said, I think there's a book in this. I just said, I just need somebody to wrangle me, <laughs> you know what I mean, to help get this information together. Yeah. And so we just sat together, man, and we just sat together, and Jim helped it become what it really has become. We signed a, a book deal recently, and so it'll be out uh, September the 3rd. It's called I Am Redeemed, um, and the uh, Learning to Live in Grace. Mm. And it's it's an ongoing pursuit. I feel like the story of that is still being written in my life, but it's just our offering, man, um, to people. And we we, you know, it's kind of a, a vulnerable thing. And we just we just lay it out there. We're not trying to make ourselves look good in it, but we're talking about the goodness of God that we found all the way through it, man. That's beautiful, man. And so, I, I kind of want to just talk a little bit about some of the stuff in that book because you you mentioned you know the insecurity stuff and. And um, and sort of how that's played out in your life. How how does it how does that look for you today? Versus, you know, some of the things that you, that you shared about, even not even really wanting to get into music. How do, how has it looked different today? Yes. Well, I'll tell you what. This is the deal. Um, a way that we've said it over the last handful of years is there's so much about our focus that determines our reality, the reality that we walk in, you mm. know, it doesn't change the truth, right? But it's like, it changes the way we see life and the way we interact with life. And so, man, when I'm looking at me and I'm looking at my shortcomings, I'm looking at my failings, man, I am so overwhelmed and so impressed with my inability but the truth is that even though there are some, there's some truth in seeing those things, the truer thing about who I am is what has been done for me in the cross. Mm. So when I look at God and I begin to focus on what it is that he has accomplished already, it's not something he's trying to do. It's not something that he consulted with me about doing before he did it. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. When I begin to focus on the fact that that man, that's always been in his heart to be redeemer and that he is everything yeah. I'm ever going to need him to be for me already, man, I begin to interact with truth and I begin to walk in a different way. Now, the struggle is in keeping that focus though. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the days, how it looks today is like, man, I woke up at 3.30 in the morning because I couldn't sleep, but I was called into a time, man, of just the most special moments with the father. And I was just enjoying just being with the Father, man. Yeah. And because I had that time and because that dictated my focus for the day, this has been a great day, <laughs> you know? Now, if that doesn't happen and I get on my iPhone and I just look at what's going on in the world and my reality is sort of set because of I'm looking at a temporary reality or looking at some kind of brokenness in me or in other people or comparing myself with other people or whatever, yeah. man, I fall back into that trap of just being so impressed by you know the negative and being so impressed by what I don't bring to the table. Does that make sense, man? Yeah. I mean, it, I completely resonate with that because we can easily draw all the focus back onto ourselves and, and our in imperfect iniquities in our stuff, um, I think sometimes we miss out on God's great power and perfection in our weakness. Um, you know, I, I believe it's so true that, that his strength is made perfect in our weakness, and he's, mm. he's not looking for, you know, I think it's so well, because I have felt like this. I, I had to unpack it when I was ministering the other night, and I said, you know what? 
truthfully, church, I feel like David in the field. And I had to unpack what I meant by that. I said, you know, everybody lined up when um, the prophet came to anoint the new king. And I just was left in the field because how could God ever use me to lead? Mm. And I've learned to find contentment in the field and and not worry about what everyone else is doing. And, and there in the field, I found my identity that prepares me for the things that God wants me to lead. And Come on, dude. And I, yes. I think that, that embracing that sort of season is exactly what we need. We don't need uh, a bunch of people who are perfectly equipped uh, because talent fades, beauty withers, all that totally. stuff, right? Man, that's so good. I mean, because I love, because even as you're talking about the field, dude, the place I went is like, oh man, but you know what he learned how to do in that field, you mm-hmm. know? And it's like, in the day in the day he stood there with Goliath, you know, it's like that, that all came full circle, you know? And it's like, he, you know, everybody else is terrified. And here comes this young man and he's like, wait a minute though. He's like, look, I was in the field and, and I killed the lion and I killed the bear. And he's like, and it was the, it was the Lord that gave me strength to do that. And I'm going to go out there and, and throw a rock into the forehead of this, you know, uncircumcised Philistine and tell him who, tell him who my God is, you know? And I, I love that because y- the thing is, is like, we all want the giant moment. You know what I mean? We all want the giant killing moment, yep. but we don't, we don't want the field though. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, we're not really interested in that, that part of the story, but that if, if you'd not had the field, then you could have never had the giant killing moment, man. You know? Yeah. Or, or furthermore, it's like, we're willing to do the field if we know how long it's going to take and we know yeah. we will get to the giant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like that's, that's our culture talking. I feel like you know what I mean because we're all we want to wrap this up in a thirty minute episode. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is just not how life is, dude. You know, we don't we don't get that kind of a say, man. And so you are so right because our faithfulness is is very much in that way. It's like, well, we want to know the outcome. We want to know how much it's going to cost. Oh no, that's too, that's too expensive. You know what I mean? I can't, I can't let it cost me that, you know, and I can't, it's going to be for how long? Dude, I think about, I think about Isaiah. And so Isaiah sees God and he's wrecked, right? He's like, just completely like, whoa, is me, dude, you are holy. He's had an encounter with God's holiness. And then he surrenders, right? God touches the cold of his lips and he's like, well, who'll go for me? And Isaiah's like me. Okay. I'll go for you, you know? Mm. And he goes, so now, but he answered yes before he got the job description, (laughs) you know? And he said, dude, you're going to a people and they're stiff necked people. They're not going to listen to you. He's like, well, how long will they not listen to me? And and God's like, till they're all dead. (laughs) you're going to, you're going to preach to a bunch of people who are never going to receive what it is that you're saying, you know, because the message that he was bringing, you know, about Jesus, he was foretelling man, the coming of Messiah. It was for another generation. And it's like, dude, I am so convicted by that. Even as we're having this talk, bro, because it's like, am I willing just to do what God says just because he says it, not because of the outcome, you know? Yeah. You know, I heard a preacher say this and it's just so simple. Uh, Outcomes are up to God. Obedience is up to us. Dude, that's good, man. That's good, the outcomes. man. And I, as we get ready to close, I want to ask you to, just as you look at your at your journey, um, albums, uh, hits, um, I think you even have a song that's like platinum. And uh, like as you look at all of that, 
What are some ways uh, or even a scenario or an event or something where you you stepped out and there was – it didn't – and the, the outcome, I guess, far surpassed what you had expected when you stepped out in obedience on it. Mm. You know, I, I just kept thinking that the Lord was going to bring some kind of huge victory – like the, us getting something right. Do you know what I mean? To be the mm. testimony of something that God was going to use that. But man, the Lord has just like, for instance, when you talked about, well, redeemed is a song, like probably the most known song of ours. And it is the song that just brought the testimonies that, I mean, literally from all over the world. And that song was just born out of brokenness for me. Yeah. You know? Like it, I didn't even show it to anybody. We finished right. My friend Benji Cowart and I wrote that song. Man, I never even showed it to anybody because I just thought it was closure over a season of just self-hatred for me. Benji is a worship leader, you know, and he took it back to Buffalo, New York, where he was leading at the time. Yeah. He starts showing it to people. And he goes, Weave, did you ever show them Redeemed? I'm like, no, not a living soul, dude. Because we're And we're still looking for songs for our record. We're almost done with the record. You know, and he goes, well, man, we, we just we just started singing and God just start is just doing things with this song. Right. And man, I didn't even know I, I didn't even show it to the A&R guy. You know what I mean? And so I showed it to my dad and to our A&R guy. Wow. And man, instantly we start playing it and God just starts doing these things. And I just had my eyes on thinking it needed to be something more poppy or something, you know? Yeah. And and the truth was that God was so interested in using you know, uh, in, in, that's just like you said, in our weakness, his strength is perfected that he's so interested about being the victory. Do you know what I mean? It's like that he is, he loves to run to places that are broken and people who know that they're broken, man. That's who gets the kingdom, man. You know? Amen, man. <laughs> I, uh, I love this because you and I have never met and, um, you know, I'm, I'm familiar through music, uh, but you know, like you know, what I mean, where you can be super familiar with someone's music and their journey. But you know, admittedly, I don't, I don't own every album on vinyl. But I, <laughs> I feel, I feel like I've walked out of this conversation. Well, I walked into it, um, you know, missing your call and and falling yeah, asleep for good, a dude. nap, being sick. And I'm walking out of this, going, dude, I, I'm about ready to say, hey, let, let me put on a pot of coffee or something like that because I could go on for another hour chat with you. <laughs> I love that, dude. That's the family of God, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. We, can finish e- we can finish each other's sentences because we have the same father, dude. You know, I love that. Dude. I love so that. So good, so good. Well, hey, we are going to close off this podcast and we always close it with some music. And um, I came into this episode uh, on the front end listening to Redeemed. So I would love you to pick another song. Uh, Big Daddy Weave song, and uh, we're gonna play that to close this conversation. That's awesome, dude. Let's, um, man, play play something new, man. Play, uh, let's see, play. There's a song called "I Know." Um, or I don't know. What do you want? You want upbeat, or do you want like a? You, I want you, what you. Tell you me. I want what you want. <laughs> oh, dude, let's play 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 the song "I Know." Then, dude, okay. let's hear "I Know." killer well mike thank you so much for taking time on this podcast i really appreciate you being part of this and um if if you're willing i'd love to get some uh when the book comes out some signed copies of that book that we can give away to uh, some of our listeners here dude that would be fantastic absolutely i'm sure we can do that awesome well this is josh mccabe here on overflow beyond the music and this is i know by big daddy weave check it out 
there you have it there's my conversation with mike weaver of big daddy weave his book is out now it's appropriately titled i am redeemed learning to live in grace and uh it tells a lot of mike's story and a lot of his journey like we talked about in the podcast thank you mike so much there it's not all the time that you have a guest on and you feel like you ended the conversation friends and you want to have a coffee and catch up with them because uh he is just such a great guy and such great depth and i have such a new appreciation for his music and for his band. But that's all we got for this week. Make sure, again, you subscribe. Make sure you follow us online, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at OverflowBTM. My name is Josh McCabe. I'm your host. This is episode one of season three on Overflow Beyond the Music, the podcast. We will see you next time.